Let us be attentive. Sing praises to our God, sing praises. Clap your hands, all you nations. Wisdom. The reading is from St. Paul's letter to the Galatians. Let us be attentive. Brethren, I would have you know that the gospel which was preached by me is not man's gospel. For I did not receive it from man, nor was I taught it, but it came through a revelation of Jesus Christ. For you have heard of my former life in Judaism, how I persecuted the church of God violently and tried to destroy it. And I advanced in Judaism beyond many of my own age among my people. So extremely zealous was I for the traditions of my fathers. But when he who had set me apart before I was born and had called me through his grace was pleased to reveal his son to me in order that I might preach him among the Gentiles, I did not confer with flesh and blood, nor did I do up to Jerusalem to those who were before me. But I went away into Arabia, and again I returned to Damascus. Then, after three years, I went up to Jerusalem to visit Cephas and remained with him 15 days. But I saw none of the other apostles except James, the Lord's brother. With our eyes, let us hear the Holy Gospel. Peace be with you all. The reading is from the Holy Gospel according to St. Luke. Let us be attentive. The Lord said, There was a rich man who was clothed in purple and fine linen and who feasted sumptuously every day. And at his gate lay a poor man named Lazarus, full of sores, who desired to be fed with what fell from the rich man's table. Moreover, the dogs came and licked his sores. The poor man died and was carried by the angels to Abraham's bosom. The rich man also died and was buried. And in Hades, being in torment, he lifted up his eyes and saw Abraham far off and Lazarus in his bosom. And he called out, Father Abraham, have mercy upon me and send Lazarus to dip the end of his finger in water and cool my tongue, for I am in anguish in this flame. But Abraham said, Son, remember that you in your lifetime 
received your good things, and Lazarus in like manner evil things, but now he is comforted here, and you are in anguish. And besides all this, between us and you a great chasm has been fixed, in order that those who would pass from here to you may not be able, and none may cross from there to us. And he said, Then I beg you, Father, to send him to my father's house, for I have five brothers, so that he may warn them, lest they also come into this place of torment. But Abraham said, They have Moses and the prophets, let them hear them. And he said, No, Father Abraham, but if someone goes to them from the dead, they will repent. He said to them, If they do not hear Moses and the prophets, neither will they be convinced if someone should rise from the dead. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Brothers and sisters, I stand before you here somewhat unprepared. It, it was most likely my fault, but with uh, everything that's been happening this past couple of weeks, Father Jason and I, uh, Neither one of us uh, prepared a specific sermon. And uh, it was uh, Father Jason just returned. I was, I was gone for a week, as you know. So um, uh, standing before you unprepared is probably very good for me. But because I don't want to let you off the hook, and because you all know that I probably like talking a little too much, let's see if we can pick something out of this gospel reading. The gospel reading ends with something that's actually rather striking, rather striking for our lives. The story is well known to us, right? somebody who is experiencing the anguish, the anguish of punishment, the anguish of the consequences of his actions, and he is truly disturbed by the fact that he did not capitalize on the opportunity to be merciful to be generous during his lifetime. And he panics. He panics and he wants to 
send help to his loved ones. He wants to send them some type of sign so that they would wake up, so that they do not actually miss out on the opportunity to be merciful during their lifetime. The sad part, of course, is that this feeling, this realization, this awakening on this man's part comes out of fear. It comes out of the anguish that he's experiencing. It comes out of, frankly, now he has become generous in his heart, at least toward his loved ones, because out of his fear for the suffering that his loved ones are about to experience, he wants to do everything in his power and beyond his power, because he's seeking, he's seeking for God to send whom? A dead man, another dead man, to his brothers to teach them. Seeking to have somebody sent from the dead back to the living to teach what they have always been taught. Because you see, this man had received these lessons. He had received the commandments in the synagogues from the teachings of the temple. This man, in his lifetime as a rich man, was not without these lessons. He simply did not practice them. He simply did not practice them, even when he was faced with the opportunity right at his own table. And then, in his death, in his realization, in his realization that he was now living in the place where the absence of God is felt, he wants to save his loved ones. You and I, more often than not, in reading this passage, maybe I shouldn't speak for you, but I know that I, when I read this passage, I want to associate myself with Lazarus. I want to be the good and righteous poor man. I want to be the one who receives eternity in the presence of God, eternity where I would not miss God, where I will not miss the love, the mercy, the generosity, the grace, that a righteous life inherits. But there are many moments in my life when I am truly paying attention to myself that I see that I need to associate myself with a man who does not even share the crumbs off his table with a poor man. That I find myself living out consequences of my actions which I clearly see as the result of wrong decisions. 
I find myself too often scrambling to fix that which I did not take care of in due time. Perhaps occasionally you've also felt that. And perhaps more frequently, we ought to associate with the characters in the scriptures and in the teachings of the fathers and mothers of the church. <clears throat> Perhaps we need to associate with those in greater need of repentance. In greater need of repentance. All of you have heard of these teachings of typology or foreshadowing or an early lesson about what is to come into the life of the people of God through Christ entering the world and his ministry, his death, his resurrection. This story is one that speaks very clearly of that. Now, there's a lot to unpack here. There's a lot to take in. First of all, the lesson that he wants somebody going from the dead to the living to inform his brothers. He wants a miracle. He knows that his brothers are probably just like him, just like he was in his lifetime, and he knows that his brothers probably would not pay attention to a poor man hungry, looking for crumbs from the table. And he believes, at least, that if his brothers see one who came back from the dead teaching them, that they would change. But even as a kid, I remember reading this passage or hearing it, and as a teenager, I remember thinking about it, well, if he really wanted to change his brothers, why didn't, he, why didn't he ask God to let him go to his brothers? Wouldn't his brothers listen to him more so than Lazarus, whom they had ignored? Why did he not ask for that? I got to tell you that if I, you know, if I need to learn a lesson the hard way, if I need to repent of something, I would much rather want my brother, who's known me my, his whole life, to come to me and tell me, hey, wake up. You are wrong here. I would believe him better than I would believe a stranger, especially one that I've ignored and especially one that I've ignored because he was a lower class than I was. Why is this happening? Why is the story including this twist, this request? You see, brothers and sisters, that's actually the result also of the realization of this man suffering in anguish now. He realized that he was not worthy 
of the mercy to return to the land of the living. That's fearful. That's truly fearful for me. Every time I realize that I present myself before someone with a request, with a conversation, with a desire for an attentiveness from anyone, for, from someone as close to me as my wife, to a stranger that I meet the first time, knowing that I am not deserving of that person's attention. This is the real anguish of this man. The realization that he had allowed his life, that he had allowed his soul to be tempted and taken over by the devil, by the influence of the evil one, such that his life ended up in a state where he found himself not worthy of even helping the brothers he wished to help. How heartbreaking that is. How scary it is to know that I'm not even deserving of offering mercy when I have finally found how to offer it. But you see, brothers and sisters, none of that is necessary. The anguish of this rich man is not necessary because it is actually much simpler, much easier to help a poor man, to be generous, to be merciful, to be good, to be righteous, not because we are afraid of anguish, but because we seek to love God, but because we seek to love the stranger that is hungry around my table, because I seek to actually share life in its truth, in its essence, with he who needs my attentiveness. I've had the blessing to listen to the famous Kalistoswer, Metropolitan Kalistoswer, now of blessed memory, not that long ago, he passed away. I've had the great blessing to listen to him a number of times, and I've also had two opportunities to sit with him and speak with him, or rather just listen to him. Because it was one of those moments when, you, when I realized that I must be silent in order to truly be present. And I could just have listened to him forever. I don't know if any of you have actually heard him speak uh, live, but he was a truly captivating soul. And he spoke about this actually quite often, but I remember the first time I heard him speak about being awake, he used to say. Being awake. 
And by that he meant being present, being fully there in order to receive, understand, and act as Christ, as if Christ were present in us, with us, right there. It also makes me think about a word that came into our language about, I think about three years ago, maybe four years ago, that's still kind of a funky word, even in politics, and especially in modern-day social culture. Woke. Have you ever heard that word, woke? Have you ever used it? I actually kind of like it. Of course, it's been rather bastardized right now, and it's actually being used even as a weapon, but I kind of like it. Because with the first time I heard it, and I heard it actually in the context of some young people on campus up in Duluth, and I still didn't exactly know when I first heard it what, what the lingo actually brought about. I kind of like it because it sort of places an expectation of that awareness, of that being present. As I've said earlier, the way we use it now uh, probably needs to leave the English language, but I urge you, brothers and sisters, I urge you because I urge myself to be present at all times so that I can see the Lazarus that I might forget to pay attention to. May the Lord God grant us that awareness and attentiveness to always see opportunities to be merciful as Christ is merciful. Amen.